I just want to share my heart with you today, and I've prepared what I'm going to say, but, but just, I just, with all my heart, I just, I just want to share my heart with you about a vision and uh, what God can do with your life. I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in, in some trends that I see among uh, fundamental Baptist churches. I, I, don't, I don't like the ideas of focusing on everything except churches growing and people getting saved. I, I, I fear that we're, we're getting a tad distracted. And uh, we 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 got to get a vision to do something for God. I, I mean, we we've got to have some fellows like Kevin Wynn who decide. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do a work. I'm going to see God do a work in my town. And 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 we've got to get back to having a vision for what God can do. If there's hope for revival, it is not in uh, who gets elected president. Now, I am for, and I think Donald Trump may be the only person in history, maybe there's one other, that be elected to president three times, uh, twice legal and once. Uh, but anyway, uh, and, and I'm for that. But but if you think that's a hope for America, you're missing it. And I, I'm not kidding, but what you do for God is a hope for America. It is. We've got to get back to a vision. It's not a vocation. Serving God is not a vocation. It's what we give our life to do. It's what we give our life to do. I want to tell you what I think about what I preached from 2 Timothy chapter 3 now for 30 years and, and how we're supposed to deal with the last days. The Bible said this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof uh, from such turn away. From this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm going to read more in just a moment. But, but, but if Paul wrote of the last days to Timothy, certainly we are in the last days. I mean, we, we certainly are. You know, Amazon has introduced now what they call a palm reader. And uh, they, and I don't know exactly how it works. I don't think they implant anything into your hand. But they take your, your palm print. And uh, there is a palm reader. And you can pay your, your, your bank account is connected to that. So you don't use a credit card. You just use your palm. 500 Whole Foods stores will be the first as far as a large scale. They were installing palm readers in the Atlanta airport yesterday as I was going through. Uh, so the quickest way, they, they stopped taking cash in the Atlanta airport about two years ago. The only way you can pay for something is credit card. But now if you have your palm registered, if you have your palm registered, uh, you can uh, pay, and they talk about just the convenience of it. When we think about prophecy in the last days, we understand the mark of the beast to buy and sell. Uh, there'll be a mark in your head or hand, and uh, that's, that's the only way you can buy and sell. We have many forms of that in our world today. Uh, China, well, I know folks in China today, if their phone, uh, my, my back screen is just black. But uh, in China, 
up your back screen is yellow. You are limited to the places that they say you can go. Now, every door in China, uh, before you go through that door, you scan your phone, and that's what opens the door. So they know everywhere you go, they track where you go, and you can't open that door if you don't have uh, the right uh, screen. So if, you're, if your phone background is red, that means you have to stay in place. You have to stay in home. So if you try to leave your apartment building, go in your apartment building, you scan it, your phone is red, you've left illegally, uh, then uh, the authorities are notified and uh, you can be arrested and uh, put in jail. That, that's happening, that's, that's everyday life in China. That's what's going on in China. But in America, palm readers are being installed. And so we, we're living in the last days. Look at verse 13, what the Bible says. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou. Fellas, do you see it? But means regardless. But means it, it doesn't matter, it's not going to affect you. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father help me as I preach today. I pray Lord that there would be a fire in our hearts to do a work for you and not upon graduation but upon uh, departing from uh, our class today. Departing from uh, this place going into the weekend preparing for our classes, preparing for our bus routes, going into soul winning. Uh, Lord we, we, we don't want to wait till next Saturday to win somebody to Christ. We, uh, we can win somebody to Christ this week, with this week, and I look forward to next week, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a fire in our heart to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Some years ago, and when I was early in ministry, I began to hear preaching from this passage of Scripture, and the conclusion was, since we're living in the last days, there's nothing else we can do for Christ, and sort of a shelter in place became a thing uh, for even pastors. A pastor called me, and he said, uh, I'm getting up in years. I think it was 55. And uh, he said, I'm getting up in years. And uh, he said, uh, do you know a small church in Kentucky that's looking for a pastor? I'm looking for a, a small church that I can love them and they love me. And, and uh, you know, these are the last days of coming of Christ. And I thought, if I knew of a church, I wouldn't tell you about it because I don't want your kind in our state. I'm not looking for somebody looking to shelter in place. I'm looking for somebody to continue at the work God called us to do. I, uh, we had a revival early on, early on. On. And uh, the, the, what was the little fellow? Bobby Brendel. Bobby Brendel is the world's smallest evangelist. How many of you ever met Bobby Brendel? He was three foot something, not much. And uh, just, just a little guy. And I remember he scared my kids to death. I mean, they were, you know, one of them was four years old and three inches taller than Bobby Brendel. And, um, and, and, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget, after the service, he said to me, he said, uh, Brother Fugit, there was a time that my schedule was completely full. 
And uh, he said, I look forward week after week to revival meetings. But he said, my, my schedule's not full anymore. And he said, churches are sort of dry. And he said, I said, what, what do you think that is? He said, well, I think it's the last days and there's not much we can do for God. He said, all I know to do is just wait for him to come. These are the last days. And he re referenced 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it bothered me. I mean, it, it bothered me to think, well, our church is growing. I must be doing something wrong. Uh, we, we're getting saved and we're adding buses uh, to our church and, and I'll, I'll never forget that. It, it bothered me. I had a man after church visited one Sunday. It was in the first building there at Clay's Mill. It's completely stripped out now. There's nothing in that building. We're putting some apartments in there. And, and a fella, he sort of had a smirkish smile on his face. You ever see somebody you want to smack the smile off their face? And uh, he, he uh, uh, come to think of <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a nice smile like that. It was a smirky smile. It wasn't like that. And uh, he, 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 sort of his arms folded and he said, after church he was in the foyer and he said, uh, Brother Fugit, you need, to, you need to calm down a little bit. I said, what about? He said, well, you're, you're a little excited about church. He said, you know, these are the last days. And I thought, well... What's that have to do with it? I mean, the Bible says continue, keep doing what you're doing. He said, well, th these are the last days. Now, I'll never forget, I can tell you where I was. I was reading a newspaper, and I'm not a NASCAR fan, and I'm not against it. Uh, you want to see some good fights, watch NASCAR is what I understand. Those guys getting a lot of fights. And, uh, but, but, but I'll never forget reading a caption uh, to a story that said, running the final lap. And uh, I, I was reading that, and it said, during the final lap, cars set a record speed. And it said, during the final lap, there were lead changes as they struggled to win. I'll never forget. I threw that newspaper on the ground. I said, glory to God. These are the last days. This is the last lap. But I don't mean it's time to give in, give out, or give up. It's time to give it all you got. Jesus is coming soon. I mean, on the last lap, they don't say, hey, you want to stop and get a pizza? I mean, they're running a race. I mean, they want to win. I don't know about you, but I want to go into the checkered flag with the engine as loud and the speed as high as it can go. I don't, I don't want to retire into heaven. I want to run into heaven. I'm concerned, I'm concerned, and, 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 and I hope you won't misunderstand what I'm saying. You ain't graduating from Bible college. You're not graduating from Bible college to learn to fish and hunt and smoke meat. I'm for all that. I like to do it all in the same day. That's not what God called me to do. God called me to preach. And God called me to pastor. And I'm not going to sit around and wait and give excuses as to why the church is supposed to die. And we need another generation of young people that will decide if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he blessed before, if he saved before, if he's the same today as he was before, I want God to do in my generation what he's done in past generations. Somehow we've got to graduate some fellows who think that just being in the ministry doesn't satisfy, but reaching people for Christ. You slept through class, you ought to be awake now. 
But, but, but reaching people for Christ is what helps, is what we're supposed to do. I mean, how long will you be satisfied to have the same number on your bus? Somebody ought to decide, I'm not doing that this year. I'm going to figure out what it takes to get my bus full. I'm going to figure out what it takes. By the way, a sermon you heard last night would be a great start. I heard Brother Blake Perry say to Brother John Fugit last night, he said, I'm going to start tomorrow night carpet bombing my bus route. And I said, Brother Perry, you probably shouldn't say that in public. He said, I said, I know what you mean. John knows what you mean, but don't say that outside. You remember the illustration that Brother Coral gave about prayer and how, how when we went into a desert storm, we carpet bombed them. And he said, that's what prayer is. We ought to spend time in prayer. We ought to carpet bomb before we go soul winning. And Brother Blake Perry said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to carpet bomb my bus route starting tomorrow night. So if you see him on the news standing sideways in a number beside him and uh, wearing an orange suit without a tie, you know he got caught. Uh, but anyway. Of my generation, there were some young men that decided they wanted God to do something great with their life. I pray that God is working in the hearts of some of you fellows to do a work for God that can't be explained outside of God doing a work in your life. You, 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 don't, you don't have to have fundamental pedigree. You, you, you don't have to have all of the talent in the world. I wish you could meet Rick Martin. What a little fella. He's not a big... He, you've heard folks described as a small drink of water. He ain't a small drink of water. He's smaller than that. I mean, he, he, he just a little guy. He has started hundreds, perhaps, Brother Wynn says, he's probably started three or 4,000 churches. You know why? He got a hold of God and he got a fire in his heart. I'm hearing folks say today, well, I need to retire and rest. I thought that's what heaven was for. You're going to hear me say this a lot over the next few weeks. I was introduced to an article of the uh, New England uh, Journal of Medicine this past week. And I told you about it in class and I asked, what do you think the most productive decade of life is for a man? Is it 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70, 70 to 80? What do you think the most productive? We had the most hands raised. What do you think it is? 50 to 60. What do you think it is? 67. What do you think it is? 30 to 40. 30 to 40. That was the average answer. I don't think anybody said 60 to 70. You know the most productive decade for a man in history in America and then including Europe and other, and, and other countries like ours is 60 to 70. Most encouraging thing I'd read in a long time. <laughs> you know what the second most productive decade is? 70 to 80. You know what the third most productive decade is? 50 to 60. The fourth is 40 to 50, and the fifth is 30 to 40. We got preachers retiring in their 60s when they ought to be refiring. And so many examples they gave. Somebody's got to understand, I know it's the last lap, but it's not time to quit. It's time to give it all to God. When I was a boy, there was two things I liked to watch. Now, I didn't have television. My dad was too close a friend to Lester Roloff. We didn't have television. So I went to my grandma's to watch it. And so the, the, 
there, there were, there were, huh? Good fundamentalists. Yeah. She, she was a better fundamentalist than you. And, 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 uh, uh, he'll stick his nose in my preaching morning. There were two things I like to watch. I like to watch, I like to watch Kentucky basketball with my grandmother and I like to watch my grandmother watch Saturday wrestling. I mean it was fun to watch her watch wrestling. I've seen my little grandmother, I doubt she weighed a hundred pounds, she may have got a little more than that. My grandmother never cut her hair, she was part Cherokee Indian and it was long, her, her, her forehead, she had a high uh, forehead and she braided her hair more in a bun, except during wrestling it always fall out. There were two Russians that wrestled, she hated them. She would get so mad. She said, I wish I could get in there. I'd gouge his eyes out. That's what she said. She said, I don't even know why they let him in this country, let alone. And, and you know what they would do? They'd distract the referee, and he'd be over here talking to this. The Russian would be over here just gouging this guy. My grandmother, she'd be down on her knees, and she'd be screaming and yelling that these guys are wrestling. I love to watch my grandmother watch. It wasn't wrestling. That's something different. Is wrestling. Okay. And then I like to watch Kentucky basketball. In those days, we had three channels, 18, 27, and 36. Do you have the same channels, 18, 27, 36? It snowed on channel 36 all the time. Anybody know, even know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and we had rabbit ears and donkey ears and every kind of ear we could put on the television. And then they would replay Kentucky basketball at 11.30 at night. That's when they would play them on television. There's no ESPN, no live games. My grandmother thought they played basketball at 11.30 at night. And she would say every game, I just don't understand why they make them boys play ball at 11.30 at night. <laughs> I said, Granny, they recorded that and they're replaying it. She said, I'm looking right at it. I see them playing. <laughs> okay. Adolph Rupp was a coach. Adolph Rupp was before Joby Hall and so forth. And Adolph Rupp was quite a legend uh, here in Kentucky and just, just, a, just a great coach. And uh, I remember, I remember it would come down to the last two or three minutes, which was the most exciting part of the ball game. And she never said, well, son, there's only two or three minutes to go. We might as well go to bed. Go to bed? Two and a half minutes to go. The score is tied or we're down three to Tennessee. She loved Kentucky and anybody who played Tennessee. She hated Tennessee basketball. She said they cheated. They were worse than the Russians. She watched wrestle on Saturday. And she said they have the referees in her hip pocket. Amen, Granny, you're right. You're telling the truth. And... Uh, that was the most exciting part. I've seen my grandmother, my little old grandmother, down on her knees. I've seen her standing in her recliner. She's yelling at Adolph Rupp with the last play of the game or the last minute of the game. She's telling him what to do. The most exciting part of the game was the last minute. If we are in the last days, if Paul told Timothy they were the last days, there's probably not much time left, are they? So is it discouraging? Is it time to take a nap? Is it time to retire? Is it time to quit?
No. It's time to give it all we've got. Some point there's going to be, this is the last class. At some point there's going to be the last preacher. You ever thought about how exciting that is? Imagine going to heaven and meeting this little Jew and he says, My name is Paul. I was Saul of Tarsus. I'm the Apostle Paul. I planted the first churches in Asia Minor. I want to shake your hand. I planted the last churches before Christ came. Wouldn't that be exciting? He planted the first. We planted the last. If there was ever a time to do a work for God, it's time to do it right now. There's ever a time to be a personal soul winner. It's time to do it right now. If there was ever a time to decide, I'm going to develop and I'm going to follow personal character, which is what we're learning in our class, what we're emphasizing in the, and, the, and the major character traits, what an amazing thing what Benjamin Franklin accomplished because of the 12 virtues that he lived by. And somebody told him one day, you could use a healthy dose of humility. And he added the 13th virtue to his life's virtues, and humility was the last. Wouldn't it be a wonderful time for you and I just to live by character? Yes. Hunger for the power of God and do a work for God. If there was ever time to be a personal soul winner, it's time now. There was ever a time. You know, you, know what, you know what America thinks? America thinks the bus ministry is in the past. That's why I was glad last year to say we set a record. You set a record on your buses. But why can't we do it again? Why can't we? Why can't we continue to see boys and girls and teenagers come to know Christ as Savior? You know, some of you may know Brother Davis's life story. Brother Davis was from a broken home, reached through the bus ministry. He would have been that, I mean, he was a punk rapper. After hearing him sing, he was more of a punk than he was a rapper. <laughs> He had to rap because he can't sing. We just had the funeral just a few weeks ago of the man that came by and picked up Brother Fisher and got him saved because of a bus route. You know, Brother Fisher was one of the meanest kids. And to hear Brother Larry Roberts, he may have been one of the meanest that ever rode the bus. I don't know if he was or not. When Brother Roberts' mind was bad, and, and, and he'd repeat the same thing over and over. He said, but Brother Fisher, he's a rascal, ain't he? He's a rascal, ain't he? Do you understand that there is a, another bunch of Steve Fishers out there that you and I can make a difference in? I'm not trying to give you a motivational speech. I'm trying to tell you that's the book Paul told Timothy. He said things are going to wax worse and worse and people are going to deceive and being deceived. And we're at the ultimate of deception today. I mean, I, I met with a grandfather the other day. I went into a place of business. I'm talking about a successful place of business. And the fellow said, Preacher, come back here. I went back to his office. He closed the door. He began to cry. He said, My 13-year-old granddaughter said to me, Papa, they said I could be a boy or a girl or whatever I wanted to be at school. How do I do that? He said, Honey, you're a girl. 
you're a beautiful young lady. You're what God made you. She said, but what if I want to be something different? He said, preacher, how in the world have we got in such a mess in our nation? Paul told Timothy the days of deceiving and being deceived would come. We're there. But what did he tell Timothy? What word did he use? He said, continue, continue, continue. We've got to believe again that God can.